Hello everyone, welcome to the Arseholics podcast on a Wednesday night special episode. Everyone's in for a treat. Not only do you get two episodes in a week, but you get a special guest. We're here to talk about Chelsea with my good friend and massive, massive Chelsea fan, Prash. Prash, great to have you on the show, brother. Thank you, mate. Um, it's been a lifelong dream of mine to be on there. So um, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, mate. And, and I believe that you're genuine. You know, when you say lifelong dream, I believe that you've listened to every episode that we've done. Um, what's been your favourite episode, given you're such a big fan? Um, it definitely wasn't the, the last one when you had that Tottenham fan who turned up late, <laughs> drunk, um, and was coming up with all sorts. So um, that was one of my least ones. Uh, but yeah, in general, it's uh, it's all been good. If it makes you feel any better, that's probably the least favourite episode many of us um who had the had the joy of being part of or listening to um, have felt. And you know what? That almost put us off having a guest. And so, you know, you are the redemption, right? So yeah, you're, you're doing I, it for all the guests out there. A lot of hinges on you, man. I, I felt that pressure coming in, but, you know, uh, hopefully I won't be a Spursy and be a bottle job. So, yeah. Love that. You know, you're only going to make, like, fans on this show if you just make more Spurs insults like that. So, like, please... Please do keep it up, man. Um, I, uh, I'm going to let you do a lot of talking today because even though you and me talk about Chelsea a lot and I get a lot of what I know about Chelsea from you, I still feel there's a hell of a lot more that that I have to learn from you. But I'm sure that a lot of our that, that our listeners and and, um, and and anyone who who would have the privilege of listening to you speak will learn about Chelsea. You're probably the most knowledgeable Chelsea fan. I know. Um, I don't know many. Some, some, you know, who we both know don't know much about Chelsea. But, um, but you know, you are a bit of an oracle when it comes to Chelsea. So I'm really looking forward to getting into it, mate. Um, so, um, first, I've got to thank you for being able to do this episode whilst your team are playing. They're literally playing right now, two-one uh, mm. up about two-one up uh, against Zagreb. It's about 15 minutes to go. Do you think you'll hang on? Uh, I mean, we should do really with this kind of standard of team, um, but it's a mixture of first teams and and second teamers. So, and it doesn't matter even if we lose, we still top the group. So it's not real, no real emphasis on on winning, to be honest. But it would it would help having that that winning mentality going into our next game. Yeah, exactly, and that is a massive game this weekend against us. Um, mm-hmm. I, and you know, I'll end this episode with asking you about what you think is going to happen there. But let's like turn the clock back. Let's go all the way back to to the summer. Um, so look, Chelsea finished the season last season third, and it was one of those things where a lot of people predicted Chelsea would probably finish third at the beginning of last season. You were basically the third best team for the vast majority of the season. There was a little bit towards the end where it looked like, oh, will they drop out? But you didn't. Mm. You secured third. Whatever. You came into the summer. You as a Chelsea fan coming into that summer. Uh, I imagine probably had thoughts about what you wanted to happen in terms of transfers, et cetera. And, and, uh, but there was a lot of disruption with the owner change, et cetera. And we could spend a whole hour, I think, talking about Roman and, and everything. But let me just sort of ask you in terms of you as a Chelsea fan who, who had analyzed exactly what Chelsea were all about the season before and had looked up and seen Man City and Liverpool. What, what was it that, you wanted to happen last summer that you thought would close the gap on those teams and to what extent do you think Chelsea did that in the summer yeah I think um 
I think we needed a bit of a a bit of a cull really in terms of our recruitment. There's been there's been quite a lot of players from uh, previous managers we, who have come with previous tactics and things like that, and we just seem to have like a um, uh, like a cluster of players who don't fit um, Thomas Tuchel's system. Um, so if you if you go back a little bit, you know you've got players from uh, Conte's era who are who was a very pragmatic manager, and then you had like players from uh, Maurizio Sarri who was meant to be this attacking vertical tick attacker. You know you had Lamps who was all out attack but no defensive. Um, you know just don't play with any defenders. Um, then you got uh, Thomas Tuchel who's meant to mesh it all together, and he's kind of stuck with this formation of three four three. Um, so you kind of wanted players who could play that position. Um, and like, you know, we we're kind of looking, looking for like players who can play, um, as a backup to Reese James, for example, at wing back, because when we lost Ben Chilwell the year before, like there was no real like quality of a replacement. We had Marcus Alonso. Yes, but there's a real drop in quality for that. And Reese James actually missed quite a big chunk of the season and we just didn't have a replacement. So, you know, that's one area. The midfield needed a lot of mending. Um, you had like the likes of Kante, Kovacic, who are missing a lot of games more and more each season. And then you've got someone like Jorginho, who um, who I don't think is quite suited to the Premier League. He's very uh, one-dimensional, shall we say. Um, we need like a real like... tackling midfielder in the middle of the park which we've missed for so long since Matic actually and that was the last time we actually had a sustained uh, title title charge so a lot of areas there you could also say the striker situation with Lukaku and things like that Um, and we had like players like Pulisic and Ziyech so yeah as I've just like gone on there's like quite a lot of um, a lot of players that needed either moving on or you know coming into the club and yeah I think I think the way the way the transfers were coming in, it looked good. It, it, it seemed like we had an obsession of getting as many defenders as we can. So it, I don't know whether he wanted to go, you know, eight, two or something like that. I don't know, but he was just kept on going for defenders. And when we had like other pressing matters, uh, which was a bit, which was a bit annoying. And you can see in the last few games, the same problems are reoccurring. So did you feel, so it's interesting you say that about the defenders point, because I seem to recall in the summer, it did feel like there were a couple of defenders um, who who not only did end up leaving, but some who it looked like might leave as well. And it looked Mm. like um, there there perhaps was going to be a situation where you were going to have to almost replace your entire back line, um, more or less. Uh, So but it sounds like you were surprised that you actually did go in for so many defenders because I do remember I think it was it was it Kimpembe I want to say was another player who nearly joined Chelsea and didn't um there was uh Nathan Aki as well um but but Jules you think Kunde, that was, Jules Kunde, 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 of course Delict. of course yeah yeah so you were surprised though that that you know you were going to go for so many yeah because I kind of thought well is he going to change formation and play with a back four um and also you have to remember on, on top of all of that, we have we've got like a 38-year-old, you know, Thiago Silva. So yeah, I kind of I kind of felt like he he was just getting as many defenders as he can. Maybe he wanted to stick with this back three. Maybe he wanted to sell a couple of them. I don't know. But it was a very bizarre uh transfer strategy, I felt. Um I think we got it right in the end. Um I'm glad we didn't go for Delict. I don't think he's as great as people make out. 
Um, Jules Kunde is a decent defender, but um, yeah, I think I think Fafana not probably not as good, but he's Premier League suited. I'm very, I mean, we'll probably talk about it later, but like in terms of transfers, I'm very wary about bringing players from other leagues. Um, if you're Premier League proven, then I'd rather have that rather than a, a so-called flashy player or a renowned player from other leagues that haven't stepped foot in the Premier League. Um, because we've been burnt so many times getting players from other leagues and they're just not fitted well. Oh, true. So, so was there anywhere that you think that you didn't address in the summer that you were surprised that you didn't address? Midfield, midfield, 100%. Um, we've meet, we've missed a, a, a tackling midfielder, um, like I said, with those four. I, I mean, we had Kovacic, um, Kante and Jorginho and bizarrely, Apparently, we got a guy called Zakaria who's um, making his debut today. Funnily enough, his first <laughs> minute, and he scored. So, um, yeah. so clearly, he's doing something right. But again, like why why getting a player that is barely being used in the first few games with Tuchel? Like it just didn't make sense. And apparently, he's not even a uh, defensive midfielder. So that was a big, big problem. If you look at all the top teams in the league in Europe, everyone has a proper defensive midfielder, like a, a tackling midfielder, whether it's Rodri before that was Fernandinho, whether it's Fabinho, whether it's Party, you know, you look around, there's always that player there. You need that. You can't get away with it. And, and that Kante for you. Kante's not a defensive midfielder. He does everything. He's a he's a number six, he's a number eight, you know, he you know, sometimes he can be a number ten, but like he he does he does all those roles in one position in central midfield. Like you always need like someone kind of like sitting next to him to to to, to like do all your tackling. You can get away with it within playing, but he can't do everything in every game, if that makes sense. Like yeah. some, sometimes you just have to rest him and he can't play. And then when we have that, there's no one there to kind of fill that job. And do, and do you think, and we, we'll get onto this a little bit later as to maybe, you know, what you, what you want next summer. But do you think it was a simple case where you probably did look at addressing central midfield, but the real targets that you wanted weren't available and you weren't willing to kind of get a second best and you loaned a Zakaria, like you mentioned. But aside from that, you want to keep some of the coffers there for a, for, for a big, big move in. Maybe, maybe that's, that's probably a good way of saying it. Cause I think, I think Declan Rice has been on our radar for a few years now. And obviously West Ham, they weren't going to sell him this year. I think after this after next summer, he'll have two years left on his contract. Um, so there's a good there's a good chance that we go in hard for him next summer. Um, he would be the ideal replacement or the ideal player that you'd want in. Um, anyone else? I can't I can't really think of. There was we did do a last minute bid on this um, Ajax player uh, in the last day of the window. We went like fifty million. Uh, I think his name's. I don't want to get this wrong because it reminds me of someone. I think his name's Alvarez, um, funnily enough. But um, I think it, it, the Ajax guy. So we went in for him. Um, he wanted the move, put in a transfer request, but it was way too late in the window. Um, which comes across as a bit of bad planning, but, you know, um, at least they tried to address it. But maybe they are just saving all their money. Probably in January, I reckon. I reckon we'll go back in for that guy in January. Um, and then also go in for Rice in the summer. Right, so the window, so, so the window happens, and and then you, and and then, and then Bowley sacks the manager. Um, I think it was a surprise to everyone. Um, you know, I rate Thomas Tuchel really, really highly. Won the Champions League with Chelsea. Um, thought it was a brilliant, brilliant manager. How did you feel when he was sacked? Could, did you see any sign of it happening? And 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 how did you feel? Yeah, 
No, not at all. It was a massive shock. I felt like I felt like Roman was back. You know, <laughs> it genuinely did. Like I've been so used to like surprise sackings. Then when this came out, it was just um, yeah, massive shock. Massive shock. I felt it was massively premature. I know we weren't doing so well, um, but yeah, it, it yeah, it just it just came as a massive surprise because you kind of felt the run that we were on wasn't great, but he deserved a chance to fix it. A lot of players coming through and whatever, like it kind of, um, you kind of needed a bit more, a bit more time to like make sure everyone meshed together. So yeah, massive surprise. But I think it's one of those things once you then start looking into the reasons why um, behind the scenes and everything, you can kind of understand where they were going with it. Um, and I just don't think they saw Tuchel as a um, as a long term manager for their vision of the club. But that sounds like it was a, a very calculated thing. And in, and in that respect, why would they let him have a whole window? Um, why, why do you think it happened when it did? I, th- I think I think when you look at the window um, in general, in terms of the players, I think it's one of those things where um, any any if you were to list those players, whether it was Bamiyang, um We'll forget Zakaria for a moment, but Fafana, um, Kukarella, um, Sterling. Um, who else am I missing? Some of the younger players, Chukwesi. Yeah, but like if you look at the the main senior players, Akulabali. If you mm. look at those players, and if you if you said, listen, to, if you said if you told Arsenal or City or Liverpool or United, these players are coming in for the summer. I don't think any fan would say no to most of them like 90% of them like yep. they're all very good players that can work under different managers so I think they just saw listen we've got we've got we brought in a set of players that can work under different different tactics different managers or, or or you know this future manager that could be coming in so I don't think it was necessarily Thomas Tuchel picking these players I think he said I want this kind of player and then it was down to you know the board and the and the and the recruitment to to get these players in and i think that's what they're seeing i think that's what they want to do in future they want to like speak with the manager see what kind of players he wants and then discuss what their targets are um obviously they were at the very beginning of that stage um when they did when they did their recruitment but i think I think that's the road they want to go down. They want a more like um, like a more holistic, um, more cohesive, collaborative um, uh, collaboration with with the new manager um, in terms of rec- recruitments coming in. Also, I think they want to work with like our youth, um, our youth coaches and things like that to bring in like young talent. So, and I don't think Tuchel. I think Tuchel's the kind of guy who just wants to manage. He just wants to coach, and I get that. I completely get that. He just wants to get on the training pitch and coach, but if you want to believe all the stories, like apparently he was getting called every day. What about this player? What about that player? Apparently he was meant to go for a meeting. He sent his agent, which is mm, quite, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is quite, um, quite ballsy. And apparently um, he was getting annoyed that Ronaldo kept coming up in the discussions. Yeah. 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 Um, which, which I get, I completely get. Um, so yeah, I can see why they did it. They also said, um, they did like a hundred day takeover, um, uh, analysis. So, they just looked at what happened in the last hundred days and they kind of figured out, you know what, this is not the guy to take our club forward or that marries up with their vision. It's interesting. So, so 
I suppose in some ways, right, it sounds like from what you're saying that you actually had a fairly good impression of Boli, the regime, in terms of what they were bringing. It sounds like, you, you know, mm. they gave you an impression that they had a plan, et cetera, et cetera. So when, um, when they ended up get going for Potter, uh, did that surprise you? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And um, in terms of, I guess it's probably one of those things where being a Chelsea fan, you're just used to one world-class manager or one, you know, one of the top managers in football um, and being sacked. And then we get another one. So I thought like a big, uh, you know, like a, like a bigger name, like a more sexy name would like come in through Europe or, or wherever. So I think that was my surprise. But if you, if you think about it, Potter was getting a lot of praises uh, throughout, throughout the Premier League, whether it was pundits, whether it's fans. So it was one of those things where he was bound to get a chance from somewhere and it just happened to be us. Um, I don't think... Uh, so from what I've heard, like, apparently they were very impressed with him when they were, like, talking about Cucurella. Like, they were speaking um, to Brighton's chairman and owners and they were talking about Graham Potter while they're doing the Cucurella negotiations and things like that. So once you've got that in your head of, like, what this manager could potentially do and when you hear of what he's done in the last few years you kind of see why he got his opportunity um but in terms of like the name that came out yeah it was initially was it was a bit of a, a bit of a surprise i mean the brighton chairman must be kicking himself for having that conversation i mean it, it probably, yeah <laughs> if, it, if it did if it did sway you guys um is it is so interesting is it because graham potter's rise has just been um crazy it's funny i was mm. seeing this the other day i forgot to message you about it actually that there, there's this there's this thing around football manager challenges. I don't know if you've you've heard about this. Where <laughs> yeah, where basically yeah, and it's the whole can you take uh, a club in the fourth division of Sweden to and can you can you get a job in the Premier League within six years or something like this? Wow, wow. Um, okay. It's like the Potter challenge, and there's a, and when you put it like that, it is mm. ridiculous. Like how far he's come. Yeah, to manage Chelsea, who, as you've rightly pointed out, have a reputation for going and getting the best managers like mm. who's the best manager available in europe you you go for that basically and if you can't get that you get the second best manager who's available yeah. in europe like that's almost like your strategy and like and see this guy get it it's very interesting it's quite it's quite refreshing you know from a mm. uh, i imagine from a, a a chelsea fan's perspective in in, in the sense that it's, it's something different um so what what have you what have you seen of him so far like so talk me through We've got, you know, you've got Tuchel and you've got everything that Tuchel brought to the team and how he was playing, etc. And we often hear managers come in and say, when they take a new job, they sort of say, well, I don't want to change everything immediately, etc. So I guess there's a chance that given it's still relatively new, some of the things that Potter might want to do, he's not doing yet. But what have you seen so far from from the Potter era and, and how he wants to play? Who are his favourite kind of players? Just talk to me a little bit about what you see. Yeah, so I think... I th I th yeah, I think it's a little bit too early to say in terms of what um, what he's trying to do. I mean, the, from the things that I've seen is um, he wants to, he wants the ball to be played a lot quicker. Um, I, I think you can see that the first few games um, after Tuchel went, um, there was a lot of times during Tuchel's uh, era, like especially towards the end, where it was just very um, pass the ball side to side. If that doesn't work, okay, let's go back the other side. There was no like real. Um, emphasis on like passing the ball forwards, whereas Potter is trying to do that. Um, he's also 
changing the formation a lot during the game. So whether he starts with a three, he'll change to a four. Whether he starts with a four, he'll change to a three. Whether it's a midfield, he pushes to a diamond or, you know, he'll play a flat four. Um, yeah, he tries a lot of things within games. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. So at least he's not, um, and this isn't a slight on Tuchel at all, but at least he he tries and fixes things if they're not working. So for example, I think, I think it was a United game. He took someone off after half an hour. Um, I think it was Cucurella after half an hour because it just wasn't working. We were just completely getting flooded in midfield. And he brought on an extra midfielder. So um, he sees things and he acts upon it immediately, which is one thing I like um, because there were a lot of frustrating times when you see um, Tuchel. Like it was, it was just going, it wasn't going right and Tuchel would just wait until half time or something like that. So I'd say those two are probably the biggest um, things that I've seen. In terms of, in terms of his players... I mean, Mason Mount has started every game under him. Um, so you'd have to say, like, he's probably one of his key players. Um, in terms of defenders, we've had to chop and change. Thiago Silva would be the number one on his team sheet, but right. he would he would be on our, you know, team sheet for, for any manager. Um, but, yeah, he's chopping and changing a lot. That's, an, that's probably another trait, actually. I don't think we've been consistent with... Um, uh with players like i think he makes about three or four changes every game that might that that might be because the world cup's coming and there's loads of games thick and fast um we're playing like three times a week kind of thing so maybe he's just trying to refresh the squad um so that, that and you've be been quite true. unlucky with injuries haven't you i think it's kind of gone under the radar because liverpool are getting are getting a lot of attention because of how many injuries that they've had and i think it by contrast that's been quite a big story and so any injuries that other teams seem to have are kind of put in the background. Um, but you guys have actually had quite a lot of injuries this season, haven't you? I mean, there's at least five or six players out, I want to say, who arguably could start for you. Yeah, just as you say that, Ben Chilwell has pulled his hamstring. So um, you can, you can um, add that one as well. Oh, um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, we have. I mean, we've got... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm one of these people that I don't like to bring injuries up, like, you know... You know, we're, we're one of the top teams um, in, in the league. We've got a good enough squad to cover that. But it's it's annoying when one of your key players gets injured and there's no real like um, like for like replacement. Like it's it's one of those things where if if one obviously one player is never going to be as good as the one that starts. But if you've got like a similar profile, then it kind of helps. But if it's if it's a completely so for the example I'll give you is a uh, Reese James. If Reese James doesn't play, the backup is Aspilicueta. So they're completely opposite mm. scales um, as a right wing back. Aspilicueta can't run. Reese James can. Reese James is strong. Um, he's fast. He's quick. He's agile. That is not Aspilicueta. Like that's not a slight on him. It's just it's just the situation we're in. So it's one of those things where when we've got key players out, it does make a big difference. Um, for example, like Kante's out for four months. Like he's our, you know, he's probably our best player. Like he's our you, biggest You'd still say player. that? You'd say Kante's your best player? On on his day, he's unreal. On his day, there's no player in world football that can do what he does. Still, uh, you'd say that, yeah? Yeah, 100%. Um, he, he's, he's just so influential. He's so dominant. He's so... Um, key to everything good that we do and like I said when I talked about the midfield like he's that guy that grabs it by the throat and just um, 
just uh yeah he just takes he takes, oh, we, takes we, it. we watching ben Chilwell yeah, there, like, yeah. i'm seeing as well he, it looks like a proper injury doesn't it yeah it doesn't look good um but yeah like so yeah there, there have been injuries but i think it's one of those things where we can get by um but yeah once you lose one or two key players like reese james is a massive player for us like massive um and you know there's no one really to cover for him. It's one of the things. If Ben Chilwell is out, at least you've got Cucurella, who's still a very good, is still a very good left back. So, whereas Reece James there really isn't. And then there's other positions in the in the pitch that you could say similar as well. We were talking about this on our last um, episode. We were talking about Arsenal players at the moment, and um, you know where there's an injury, where it'd be a concern, and you know it kind of got me reflecting that. There's different ways of looking at it, right? Like, so if you look at it from an Arsenal perspective, Gabriel Jesus is a very important player for us. But at the same time, if he gets injured, you don't have to change your system. You mm. just have Eddie Nketiah, who is like almost a less good version of Jesus. So, you know, when, but then when you look at someone like Thomas Partey, mm. you're, 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 what we sort of concluded in our last pod is if Thomas Partey is injured or, or he's unavailable, you, you, you have to play a different system. Yeah, you yeah. just can't play the same thing, and it sounds like that's what you're saying with Reese James, with him being out. Yeah, it's just not it. it it's not a, a light, light. And 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 what about some other areas, mate? Because you know this this season, um, and if you reflect on on how this season's gone, um, it's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because actually, when I think about it in my mind, I've actually got various games where it, it, I have memories of Chelsea dropping points, but at the same time. We're actually not doing that badly in the league. It's not like you're, you know, you've kind of, you've got yourselves into a Liverpool kind of situation. You're still sort of up there, there and thereabouts with, you know, mm. obviously so much of the season to go. But if you could evaluate the the season so far, I mean, just describe it to me from your perspective. Like, how has it been? Um, It's, yeah, it's a tough one because I think the, I can't remember, I think it's like three or four games Tuchel was in charge of um we only played well in one of those games and that was uh that was against tottenham um which we drew to um the Very other game to draw that weren't you because you yeah really won. yeah yeah i mean that, that you know we could blame ourselves for that as well but like the game against everton the first day of the season we were bad we just won by a penalty um the leeds game we got absolutely battered three nil i mean i think leeds before they played liverpool hadn't won a game since they beat us three nil that's how bad they've been. Um, and then we lost to Southampton. Um, like we were playing dreadful, dread, like really dreadful football and like performance wise, really bad. You can kind of accept when you play well, like against the Tottenham game, when you play well and don't get a result. But like the other games were just terrible performance. And then when Potter came in, I think he's had about eight or nine games. Um, I'd say he's won the games that you kind of see, you kind of see, um, you can't expect you can't expect to win and that's fair enough like you have to give props to that but then we got battered on the weekend by brighton um and then we we kind of like um against united they should have beaten us quite comfortably actually so we kind of got away with that um so yeah performance have been up and down it's really been inconsistent and this is what we've been like for the last two years like so inconsistent we can we can like we can put in a real good performance against a top team, whether it's in Europe or in the league, but then sometimes against uh, the not so great teams. I don't know. There's, there's something, there's something just not quite clicking there. I don't know whether it's maybe they're low blocking and we don't have like enough creativity to, to do something or I don't know. 
there's there's something just not really working um there's a reason why there's inconsistencies um and i don't know whether it's the chopping and changing whether it's changing the tactics changing the players all the time i, I just don't know but i'm hoping Potter can just like fix it i think he's maybe just rotating quite a lot because of the this busy schedule or injuries but um I'm hoping he can figure it out because that's been a real problem with us for the last two years. Because the easy thing, it, it, I suppose, would be to say at this point that yeah, it's it's because you've got a new manager that's in, and and mm. you know when new managers come in, it takes time, um, and you've also got not a lot of new players in. Um, but out of the out of the players that you know that, that have tended to play for Chelsea, um, who who are the ones that you think have been letting you down in some ways? If you if you if you look for you, you, know, you listed out a whole bunch of players that you signed this season, and, and you're completely right. I think as an Arsenal fan, you know, aside from Aubameyang for obvious reasons, you know, I still take all of those players that you've mm. you know, you've mentioned at Arsenal. Um, you know, who, who they would all improve the squad. Um, so who is it that you know, which sort of players do you think have not been stepping up and really doing what they should be doing to get to get Chelsea as back as a consistent fighting for the title kind of form type side? Um, I mean, the last, I'd say like, it's like probably the last two years, the likes of Ziyech and Pulisic, who, who came in for like quite decent money, they've, they epitomize the word inconsistent, like some days, and, and I'd add Havertz as well to that, like, you know, these players came in for like quite big money and they've just not performed on a consistent level. And you kind of think, okay, you know what? First first year of the Premier League is always a betting season. Um, and then you think, okay, second season, okay, third season, this is going to be it. And and it's still like utter dross. Like it's so painful sometimes watching them to the point where I think Potter realises that and he barely plays Ziyech at all. Um, I think he'll be gone in January. Pulisic is one of these weird ones where on some days he can look unreal, Um but on most days, and when I say most days, 90% of the games, whether he's starting or whether he's, you know, coming on as a sub, he's looked atrocious as well. Um, is it a confidence then, thing or is it, is it, what is it, do you think? I don't know. I really don't know because he's he's been living off that purple patch. I think it was like, you know, Project Restart where mm. that period he was, he was probably like the best player in the world. Like He was incredible. He was, he was incredible. He, he was just scoring every game. Obviously, I don't think it was the best player in the world. Just, just saying. But I like, know what you mean. But I, I recall like, that the FA Cup final, it, Arsenal probably. You could argue that if he doesn't get injured in the middle of the game, mm. Arsenal may not win that game. Yeah, like leading up to that final, he was scoring in every game, uh, assisting everything. Um, but then after that, it's just I don't know whether it's injuries because he does get a lot of injuries. He's been starting a lot of games in the last year or so, but not taking his opportunity. Um, you, I'm starting to see why at Dortmund, a 17-year-old Jaden Sancho like replaced him in the lineup. I'm starting to see those kind of um, like vibes. Like he's not, he's not really putting in too much effort. He's pulling out of tackles. He's, he's just not. In, he's just not consistent. I think he's one of these players that like gets himself into a team for like a few years and then he just goes off the boil. I think he probably needs a new challenge. And you know what? If he does go somewhere else, he'll probably kill it for a few years and then he'll go down again. Um, but I th- but I think I think Havertz is the one that's let me down the most. Like he's 
he came in with like such like this generational talent, like huge potential. The way that the German media were talking about him mm. when he came to Chelsea, he's like, this is the next big German talent. Mm. This is like our biggest export right now. There are people really mm. upset that he left Germany. Mm. Um, I said, this guy's got it all. Mm. You know, and I, I remember thinking, yeah, I mean, Chelsea getting him, that's a huge coup. Yeah, yeah, and it's, time, yeah. It's, it's, it's just not work. I don't know whether the system doesn't suit him, but we've tried him in like every position that he that he played in that Leverkusen. He mainly played as a false nine or as a 10 or a uh, attacking right winger. We played him in all those positions and he's just been so inconsistent. Again, one of these players that's kind of lived off that Champions League goal um, and... He's he's had some amazing moments, don't get me wrong, but you expect a guy who's been in the league now for three years to kind of like step up and be that guy, um, be that generational talent that people are saying that you are. And he, he just hasn't been. He's just been so inconsistent. And I think this season is make or break for him because if he if he doesn't do well, if he has like another season like he has in the last two, then we have to sell him because he'll be down to his last year. And then it gets a bit tricky. So you either sell him or you give him a new contract after the end of this season. So yeah, so it's make or break time for him. Um, he gets minutes, though, doesn't he? Uh, he oh he yeah, yeah. Minutes, and, and that's and that's why I put him ahead of Ziyech and Pulisic because those guys tend to come on as a sub. It's a little bit harder to like impress. But Havertz starts a lot of games, and he's, he's just not being great at all. Um, so that's why I'll put him as like the biggest disappointment. Okay. And talk to me about Aubameyang, Prash, because when he, you know, it's very strange as an Arsenal fan still, I think, <laughs> seeing him in, an, in a Chelsea shirt. Uh, it's also really weird as an Arsenal fan seeing, I suppose, the arc over the last kind of six months or so. Bear in mind, you know, about what well, we're in November now. So a year, a year ago, less than a year ago, he was playing football for Arsenal you know yeah um and in that time he's gone to barcelona and and now he's at chelsea uh so for, from my perspective everything's happened so fast it's always crazy to, to 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 see all that happen and um you know when he went to barcelona i was i was fairly sort of agnostic about it in the sense that i still quite liked obamyang as a from from what he did for arsenal wanted him to do well at barcelona i didn't mind there were some arsenal fans who didn't want him to do well because they would have thought that that meant that we made the wrong decision. I was I was quite at peace for it, but it's weird now when you go to a when he goes to a Premier League rival. You know he's our he's our former captain going to a Premier League rival where you know I look at him and I still think that you know on his days he's he's a very good striker. H- how do you think he's been for, um, at Chelsea? And were you surprised to get him in the first place? Um, I. I wasn't surprised because of the whole um, Tuchel links. Like, I think, I think it was very obvious that we needed a striker. Um, we we couldn't go a new we couldn't go a new season with just Kai Havertz and Broya as our two options. We needed like an experienced striker, and I think he was perfect for it. Like, he knows the Premier League. He knows how to score goals. Um, I think it was a good fit. He knows Thomas Tuchel, so it was it was a good fit. But. Um, but in terms of like how he's fitted in so far, I think he's done all right. I think he's done all right. I think it's, <laughs> I mean, I wonder what he's thinking. He's probably thinking, oh, do you know what? I, I kind of like it in Barcelona, but, you know, I like Tuchel. Um, let me let me go and like meet up with him. We're good mates. And then like seven days later, he gets sacked. So 
he must be thinking, what the hell is going on here? What have I come to? So for him to like take all of that and also like the incident in Barcelona um, where he's had like a few weeks off and, and all of that. So mm. I think, I think putting all of that into consideration, he's actually done quite well. I think, I think he's got like five goals maybe for us this season. Um, uh, and he's, he's feeling okay. Um, again, we don't really have that much creativity for him, but he's getting in the right positions. He's, He's getting in positions where a lot of our strikers tend to miss, um, or when you're playing a false nine, things like that. So, I think he'll. I think it's one of those things he'll get better and better as as the um, as as the weeks go and Potter can work on on on. I don't know if you're a Gabon in the World Cup. I don't think so. No, I don't have Gabon exists. ever qualified for the World Cup? I'm not sure they have. I've, I've not. You'd be surprised how much, how many of these teams are just turned us up on ITV <laughs> at seven o'clock. Um, so yeah, I'll. Um, so yeah, I kind of expect Potter to kind of work on him um, in during the World Cup. Uh, he'll work on his match fitness, things like that, and hopefully after the World Cup, he, he comes firing again. Do you think there's any chance that in January you might go in for another striker? No, I can't see that. I think I I can see maybe Breuer going out on loan. I can maybe see that, but I, I'm not sure whether I can see someone coming in. Um, I've not heard anything, um, but no, I can I can probably see Breuer going out, but no, no incomings for a striker. Fine, fine, fine. Okay, listen, mate. When we look at sort of where we are now, we, so Chelsea is sixth right now in the league. Um, you've had like a, a few games. Two, the last three games have been two draws and a loss. So just a you know a little bit of a, a challenging patch, but um. But still, uh, you know, o- overall, when when we look at the gap to the top four, it's, it's three points, and you've got a game in hand over Newcastle and Spurs there. Mm. But at this point in time now, if you if you look where we are, again, so much time to be played. Obviously, what are your hopes for Chelsea this season at this stage? What what do you think is a good season from now, or what would you take from now, and what would be a complete failure in your perspective? So I, I think my uh, my expectations have changed due to a change of manager. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go with Potter, um, I mean I'm hopeful to be top four, um, hopeful to be top four. But the way things are going right now, and like you said, there is a lot of football to go. You kind of you kind of take top six right now. Um, I, I just think I'm not sure whether we're consistent enough. Um, to finish top four, um, I think. I think it's so hard to call, especially now Newcastle have um, like you know entered the party. Um, I think it's so hard to call your top fours, even like your top six, if you want. So I think, I think, I think a definite's got to be top six. Like no matter no matter what you've done like as Chelsea Football Club, not in an arrogant way. Like there's certain clubs in the Premier League that should always finish top six, regardless of you know what is going on. Um, I'd like to think we can finish top four. Um, would I put my mortgage on it? Absolutely not. Um, but an absolute failure would be to finish outside top six. Like you just cannot with with that with the quality of those. The way you see it, the way I see it is these guys won the Champions League about fifteen months ago. You can't mm. go from you can't go from there. Plus, add add like three hundred million spent in the summer as well. Um, you can't go from there to like outside of the top six. I mean, you can't really go from there to 
outside the top four, in my opinion. But with a new manager, I, I'll I'll kind of like give him give him give him that. If that makes sense. Um, yeah, it does. Um, so yeah, I th- but yeah, absolute failure will be outside the top six. And do, do you do you see just touching back onto January? Do, do you see there being any kind of injection in January that um, you know that might push you? close to you know whatever you can achieve i think i think we'll get a couple of players in i reckon um maybe a couple of loans or something but i reckon um we'll go in for that ix guy the defensive midfielder i think we'll go in for him um and i think we might get a backup for reese james as a right wing back how long is reese james out for he's he's out he was out for like a couple of five, six weeks, two weeks ago. No, nah, I think he's out for another fight, further five, six weeks. It's touch and go with the World Cup. I don't think he makes that, but he has been picking up a lot of injuries in the last two, three years. So, yeah, it's, I think it's quite crucial to bring in like a, a decent backup for him. Fine, fair enough. And, you know, you've you've kind of got an interesting period of games coming up, haven't you? Because when I look through your next kind of six or seven games, the sort of games that they're either they're either quite tough games or they mm. should be quite straightforward games. So you've got, you know, you've got us and Newcastle coming up, which both of them, you know, I imagine are quite, are quite tricky given how mm. Arsenal and Newcastle are doing this season are relatively tricky and, you know, in mm. relative terms, but then you've got Bournemouth and, and Forest, um, you know, which, which, which hopefully you know should be more straightforward, but then you've got city and then you've got palace and then you've got Liverpool. It's a, it's a very interesting mm. um, set of fixtures. It's not necessarily, you know, a period of tough fixtures or a period of easy ones. I mean, it feels like it. It feels like it will be a very important period for you guys, um, given you're playing a couple of those other teams who are going to be competing for those, you know, top six positions. I suppose there's a real opportunity, you know, to take some points of them and 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 get right back in the top four race. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm not. I haven't really looked at, and I'm not really looking at anything after the World Cup. I'm kind of thinking like quite a way i'm just thinking of these next two premier league games because i think the world cup is just going to be so weird like coming back from the world cup i don't even think they get rests or anything like that it's like i think it's only like a a week or so between the last day and boxing day so you just don't know which players are available you know who who can play and who needs a rest and things like that it's going to be a really weird a weird um you know reset almost um but I'd say like the next two games um, is absolutely massive. Like I was actually saying this the other day. I, I, I don't know whether, I, you know, would I take, would I, at this point I'd probably take two draws, but then you're thinking actually, you know what, I'll take one loss and one win. Cause you know, mm-hmm. Newcastle are a really good team. You guys are flying. Um, we, we're in quite patchy form. So it's kind of like one of those things, just get all points against one of them. And I think that'll be quite decent. I can't, I can't for the life of me see us winning two get both of those games. Um, so yeah, I take I take one win out of those two for sure. And then after that, yeah, like you said, we're playing City on the second. I think um, I think it's uh, is that the second I've fixes. I've got the fixes up. You're playing City on the fifth Thursday, the fifth, and oh, you've Thursday got fifth. Nottingham Forest on the first of January. Okay, fine, fine. Okay, um, so yeah, like. There are some easy games at the start of that, but like you said, we've got we've got Liverpool, we've got um, we've got City, um, which are going to be big games as well. Uh, so yeah, there's 
there's a lot to play for. And like I said earlier, we kind of struggle against lower end teams as well. So who knows what can happen? Yeah, definitely. And with the cup competitions as well, obviously, obviously the, you know, the, the main cup competition, the league cup, I think kicks off next week for, for, for us all. Right. And then um, FA cup. And, and obviously you, you've been in the champions league. You're one of those teams that I can see quite easily winning one of those trophies. And I mean, any one of those trophies we've seen Chelsea win, the Champions League twice now, one in a season. The first one that you won, it was a season that wasn't really quite going going so well mm. either, was it? Like, and um, you know, I, I, I imagine as a Chelsea fan, you still harbour those kind of ambitions. You're probably used to being now a club that every season probably wins a trophy, right? Mm. Um, so you know, is it one of those things that you turn around and say, if you finish top six in a transitional year with a new manager, but manage to pick up a trophy, that's a pretty acceptable season, right? Yeah, you'd have to say so um, at this stage. Like, you know, Graham Potter, is a, he, I know he's not a, a new manager, but he's coming to a big club. This is a new setting for him, um, new bunch of players. Um, and, you know, we're, we're in a very, like, we're probably in the most, you know, the toughest league in Europe, you know, um, mm. with, like, the best managers, the best players. Um, so, yeah, you'd probably take a top six. Um, when I said, I mean, would I take a League Cup? I guess so, but I, I guess FA Cups are a little bit more prestigious. But yeah, you you wouldn't complain just coming top six and uh, and winning a trophy of some no, sort. No, absolutely not. Um, so before we get on to you know getting your thoughts on on Arsenal actually, and then getting your thoughts on on the fixture itself this weekend, there is one other area of Chelsea that I wanted to talk to you about because one of the really interesting things that has been a feature, I think, of the Bowley regime has been firstly this initial kind of real. Um, aggressive recruitment of, of talented young players, uh, including Amari Hutchinson from Arsenal, which, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on in a sec. But, you know, you've also very recently really, really revamped your sort of technical and recruitment staff in terms of the, the senior staff. And it, I think you've raided Brighton for a couple of their guys. Again, their chairman must absolutely hate you, honestly. <laughs> um, but um, it's, so talk me through that. So, you know, it's, it's 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 a change, isn't it? Because you know Chelsea have almost been synonymous over the last however many years of having this this, this amazing um, this amazing uh, academy, yet not really relying on your young players. But now you're aggressively recruiting young players, and and with this new technical director and recruitment staff, etc. Do you see a real change at Chelsea? What, what do you think? Yeah. So from from what I've been um, reading um, is that they're going for a similar kind of model to City um, City Group, as in have like have like players. Um, sorry, have uh, clubs around Europe, around the world, where you can you can just have like uh, players going in between them. It's very similar to what City did. So I think City have got like didn't they buy Palermo? Um, they've got they got. Socho, the French club, they've got um, uh, one in Australia, one in mm-hmm. New York. Melbourne, you know, Melbourne got, Fury, I want to say. Yeah, some, something, like something like that. So I think that's what they want to do. They want to do like a, a whole like multiple of clubs around the world. We actually, you know, we actually got um, their previous CEO who, um, who, who headed that. So we got like previous Man City's um, CEO. Um, we got, we brought in like a technical director who, uh, from Monaco, I think. There's honestly, there's so many I just can't keep keep a track of. Um, and he did um, a similar kind of role um, before Monaco. Um, 
we went for the RB Leipzig, uh, the RB Leipzig guy um, as a technical director because he's obviously mm-hmm. the Red Bull model and things like that. So, so it seems like he's going for that kind of thing. He's just going um, for like a multi-model around, the, like a global multi-multi-club uh, model where players can just like play it with one strategy um uh with one philosophy and like that can just continue wherever they are i think it's also like a a new like revenue stream as well like get all of america get all of south america get some of europe all that kind of thing so i think i think ultimately just leads to having like the best young uh young players across the world um all playing all playing with the chelsea like first team uh, within does, that, like, does uh, that excite you? Does that excite you? You, you, you up for that direction, or do you worry that with that comes a cost of maybe not kind of you know not being as aggressively hunting top spot every season? Yeah, I mean, I, it kind of feels very, it kind of feels very, very long term, um, which which I can I can kind of see, but it kind of feels like there's more pressing problems at the club right now. Um, why don't we just address that? And then, like, I mean, they've only been in the door like five minutes. So you kind of would have thought, just let's give this season a go um, and then see 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 where that takes us and then see, uh, have talks by all means, have talks and get an idea what you can do. But like you said, they've gone really aggressive about this um, and it looks like they are going to go with this, um, go with this strategy. Um, but no, I, I quite like the whole... They want to. They still want to invest in the youth, which has been a real, real like bonus for us. Um, and how you know they're getting, they're really backing like our youth team coaches, like our head of youth development. You know, this is the guy that, you know, made Musiala, for example, like your Mason Mount, mm-hmm. your Conor your Reese James, all of that, like all around the world. Like he's been backed immensely. Hence, why you had the Amari Hodgson, you had the guy from Aston Villa, the um, I can't. Yeah. can't Carney Chalmaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another guy at Inter. So, you know, I quite like that they're still investing in the youth and keeping an eye on that. Um, but yeah, I just kind of see this as more of a, a long-term strategy rather than like short-term, short-term gains. Fair. I'm going to ask you about Amari Hutchinson in a second before I do that. You know, Nish is in the comments saying he apologizes for tuning in late. So I referenced it on the last pod that uh, I was in a stag deal on, in Amsterdam over the weekend um, where I watched the Chelsea game in a bar and I did say that there was a Chelsea fan next to me. So the stag do was Nish who just it was in the comments and the Chelsea fan who was next to me in the bar was Prash. So um, yeah, Nish is also saying Prash that um, I don't know what he means by this. It's a shot for the disrespect. I don't know if it means that it's a shot for you or a shot for him. Um, anyway, um, it's good to see he's still alive. I hadn't really heard from him. Since yeah, true. Stag. So true. Yeah, it's, 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 it's good. It's good to know that you're alive, Nish. Um, well done. Mm. We had a great time on the stag. He did well. He did well. I'll give him that. He did well. Especially because Liverpool lost as well. And that wouldn't have been hard. Yeah. That wouldn't have been easy. And I put in Joe Gomez and and he got upset with me. And then Joe Gomez made a howler. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Sorry. Um, but just going back back to topic. Uh, Amara Hutchinson was a player that, that Arsenal fans were quite excited about, actually, because... He kind of had this reputation when he was uh, younger of being a bit of a YouTube sensation. He had, you know, did all these kind of amazing kind of videos when he was he was young, and then you know he's at Arsenal. He was um, he, he he was he was doing quite well, and then he he gets around the first team squad, did some good things in preseason, uh, did some good stuff in the under twenty ones, 
I think people generally thought he was going to be in and around in the first team this season. Um, and then he joined Chelsea, felt like it was out of nowhere. Um, How has he been doing at Chelsea, Prash? He's been doing really well, like really well. He's He's been playing a lot in our... Um, our development team. So that's kind of like, it's kind of like an under 21 team that plays against um, some like conference teams and things like that. But like, he's also played a lot in the under 21s and he's been doing really well. Like a lot of, um, a lot of the coaches um, have been like praising him massively uh, to the point where he actually made the bench um, last week against Brighton. Um, So, Apparently, like he's so we've got this city game coming up um, in the League Cup, Carling Cup, whatever, whoever it's sponsored by now. Um, I think on that day, I think Jamaica are playing, <coughs> and um, I think he was meant to fly over there, but they, but apparently we've asked him to delay his decision because there's a good chance that he could be playing in that game uh, oh, in the city game, um, but. In terms of how he's been doing, he's been doing brilliantly. Like I, I get where you're coming from with the YouTube sensation. He's, I don't know how you describe it. It's like he's very, um, he's very technically very good, but also like he just does some ridiculous things that you kind of think, well, will that actually work? You know, a bit adult rabbit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Um, yeah. But no, like I mean, he's he's been doing really well he's um continually progressing and to the point where you make the bench like you know he must be doing some things right i think i think the plan is for him to go out on loan um in january uh but yeah uh he's been doing well it was a bit yeah like you said i was a bit surprised arsenal oh he left arsenal because i would have thought he would have thought that there was a better chance of make getting first team minutes over there than here um yeah but I think I think maybe obviously Saka's got that right hand spot, you know, uh, locked. But then is it you went for this market? You got this Marquinhos. Yeah, Marquinhos on the right hand side as well. Yeah, isn't he? Fabio Vieira is sort of biased towards the right hand side mm. as well. So maybe those things came in. You never know, really, the reasons. You yeah. know, and I, I think that, um, yeah, you know, I guess good, good luck to the good luck to the guy. Obviously, um, yeah, yeah. Just just moving on, conscious of time. Um, massive game on the weekend. Mm. From a from an Arsenal fans' perspective, obviously the season's been incredibly refreshing uh, because we're not used to doing this well. It's been a long time since we've been, um, you know, doing this well. Um, and from from you know me watching Arsenal, it's hard. As much as I try to uh, remain unbiased, you always have rose tinted glasses somewhat on your players, etc., mm-hmm. and, and how you're doing. From a Chelsea fans' uh, perspective, what have you thought about Arsenal this season? Oh mate, you guys have been like quality. I don't think anyone can say otherwise. Like, is it what 10, 10, 10 wins out of twelve in the Premier League, something like that? Um, yeah, that's 10 kind out of that's, twelve. Yeah, that's that's kind of like city city levels, um, city Liverpool levels from the past year. So, yeah, you can only. I, I know a lot of people will say, "Oh yeah," but they've only played easy teams. But you know, you still have to beat them. You know, there's you know, anyone can beat anyone on their day. So. Yeah, you can only you can only say good things about about your team this season. And um, so when when we when we look at this game that's coming up on the weekend, then um, what what do you th- what do you think? Because you see, our, look, my my thoughts when on our last pod when we were previewing the game is that I sort of feel when it comes to big games like this, form 
tends to go out the window somewhat um and it becomes a bit more about the occasion big players tend to step up even if they're out of form Chelsea have a lot of big players very experienced players um and uh, and I also sort of feel that Chelsea have always been a team when it feels like when they need to win when they need to get a result to stay in the hunt for something it always feels like they do um I mean so what are your thoughts coming into this game are you do you have similar thoughts or um, do you, are you more concerned that you would usually be when you're at home to Arsenal? How do you feel? Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking forward to this, if I'm being honest. Like, I I, I, th- I think I think you guys have been flying at the moment and we're just, we're just really patchy right now. But like you said, form does go out a window, especially if it's a London derby. Um, so, and there is a lot to play for. It's not like... Um, you know, a random game towards the end of the season. So I think, I think, um, I, I don't, I don't think it, I, I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping for a draw. Obviously I'll take the win, but um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of a bit worried. Like, you know, Arsenal could just come go there and just, just batter us um, a bit like, a bit like what United did in the first half against us. Like they should have been three nil up within um, the first 30 minutes. So, if we don't start right, then it could be one of those. And then we're just chasing, chasing shadows for the rest of the game. I mean, it's, it's interesting you say that we, we, we sort of debated on the last pod as to how we thought Arsenal would set up because when we went to Chelsea last season, we sort of changed our formation around, uh, played a bit more pragmatically. Um, and this season, you know, the consensus from our, from our Arseholics group was that actually we'll probably just go with the same system that's been serving us so well this season and try and kind of go with, um, you know, the positivity I'm undecided as to whether that would be a good thing or, or it wouldn't be. Um, Arteta has this season sort of seemed to think, take the approach of kind of what, you know, you were you know, sort of alluding to before when you were looking at your next two fixtures, I think Arteta has taken the approach of saying wins are so valuable um mm. you'd rather like win one and lose one than draw two right like points wise mm. it's just maths and i think therefore he just seems to almost be going with this approach of just go for the win go for the win go for the win and um and even when you know we're we're level like we saw against united when we're away at united even when we we're mm. level i think he was like go for the win go for the win and i'm as an arsenal fan i have a concern that um you know us doing that may away at Chelsea with the experience that Chelsea have with, you know, your Sterlings and your Obers, like people like that. Um, you know, it, it could hurt us because we're still, we're still relatively young and and naive. Um, you know, Nish in the comments saying, don't worry, the ref will show up, Raja. I don't know. Obviously he's a Liverpool fan. I think he's still seething with some um, decisions that perhaps, uh, you know, didn't, didn't go Liverpool's way. Obviously Liverpool never get decisions going their way. Right. I mean, it's true. They, they they never do. We should we should all just accept that. Um, always always the victims. But um, and anyway, uh, yeah. So 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 I so I you know I do I do have concerns um around it. What what how? As I say, is there any chance that Potter may look at this and go, uh, I really don't want to lose this game and set up for a draw, or do you think that um, given you're at home, he just won't be able to do that? I don't think he'll set up as a draw. He's a very um, attacking manager. Like he, um, is, it, is it? Am I right in thinking he's the last manager to win at the Emirates? Um, yeah, oh, it, that's a good one. You're probably right. Yeah, maybe. You're probably right in that in the spell that when we lost against 
um, against Southampton and Brighton and, and Palace. Um, was Brighton after the Palace game, before the Palace game? But yes, yeah, so maybe. So yeah, I, I can't see him like because he's known for just trying to attack and whatever. So I can't see him playing for a draw, um, if that makes sense. Um, but I, th- I think he. W- I'm not saying he'll go for it, but like, I think the. F- the first half an hour is going to be the first 20 minutes is going to be so important because you guys always start well in the first half and the second half like we always come come out come out the gate and just like start playing so i think if we can settle you guys down then you know maybe we can get you on the counter or something like that but um i wouldn't say he'll come in just set up a draw or anything like that okay so what so what's your prediction mate what if you're going to call it now what do you think mm-hmm. If I was to call it now, I would say I'll never, I'll never, make, I'll never pick my team to lose. Um, but it, I would say it'll be one all. Okay, I predict one the draw all as well. board I draw. The two two. One all board draw. I I can see there being goals in it. I can't see us winning actually. So I, like, that's why I went. I went for a draw. Um, I went for two two. I actually think that. I actually think Chelsea, I, I think it'll either be a draw or Chelsea will win or we'll win. I feel like even though Arsenal have had a decent record recently at, at Chelsea, yeah. it's been very different circumstances, it feels. It's been circumstances where actually we've not been playing very well and it's been kind of a very kind of pragmatic kind of approach to the game. And and, and It's always towards the end to, of the season, right? Yeah, towards the end of the season, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um. It's a different. It's a really different environment. I think matter. I think if we win, if we win at Chelsea, I think it'll be, it'll be like a huge, huge, huge result. But mm. I don't. I don't see it happening. So, so tell me then. From a, a you know, you said kind of what you you'd like to happen for Chelsea, and uh, you know, in t- or or what you think will happen um, for Chelsea in in terms of you know worst case scenario, best case scenario, I suppose. But your top four this season. Let's just finish it off from that press. So what from right now, if you had to call it. What is your top four? How do you think it's going to end? Yeah, it's weird because it changes every week. I think I think I told you my top four on Friday, and then after five o'clock, I was like, okay, I'll change it completely. Um, so I think I think it's a given. Well, maybe not given actually to some people. Fair enough. So, um, but I think City will win the league. Um, I think second and third is really tough um, because for some weird reason. I, th- I definitely think you guys will finish either second or third, but for some bizarre reason, Antonio Conte, man, he just, he's not, he's not very good in Europe. He, in fact, he's quite terrible in Europe and I, I can't see Tottenham uh, winning their last 16, whoever it is. Um, so I think they'll be out in February. And if they're out in February, they've only got the lead to concentrate on. And I can see them, coming second whereas you guys I think I can see you guys going further in the Europa League and I can see Arteta trying to trying to win a, a European trophy um so as that goes along but I think I think you've accrued so many points uh, right now that you're kind of expecting if you drop points other teams need to pick up points and I can't really see that mm. so hence why I have you second or third but there's something about Conte that it, it, I can't shake off so I'm going to say Conte comes second. I'm not going to say his team comes second. Um, <laughs> Ars- Arsenal come third. And um, I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say us fourth. Interesting, because it's 
very popular at the moment to say that Man United are going to be in the top four, right? That yeah, seems to yeah. be the recent trend that people are, are, are talking about. Um, yeah. do, do you, do, what do you think of them as a, as a, do you think they are a genuine threat to the top four this yeah, season? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like the way they're playing. Uh, I mean, after the first few games, I thought this is hilarious. Like, you know, but they're really picked up. Like you can tell he's a very good coach. He's, they, the team that we drew with was exactly the same team that that got battered by Brentford 4-0. So you can just see the b- difference in like 10 games. So I, I would definitely, if someone came with a top four and said um, United come fourth and we come fifth, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Okay. I'm being trolled in the comments, you see. <laughs> so, so this stag, he's obviously still very unhappy. Uh, being asked to drink a lot. And it's really surprising given that he didn't really have to drink that much, um, let's be honest. But, um, you know, he, he he's saying that I said a win and a loss is better than two draws. Invincible, not the best team ever then. I mean, if he wasn't so high, which he clearly is at the moment, then he would have heard what I said was a win and a loss is mathematically better than two draws because three points is better than two. That's what I said. Okay. Anyway, mate, have a day off. Just go back to bed. Anyway, sorry, everyone. Um, this guy. It's always about him, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Anyway, listen, Prash, uh, mate, I thoroughly enjoyed this episode. I really, I really enjoyed having you on. You Honestly, you've done an amazing service to any future guest on this show because, oh, you know. I hope so. I mean, Jason was... <sighs> I mean, Where did you find that level. guy? Did you I, just I, find him off the streets? I, I mean, that's what people are saying. Um, that's what people are saying. And I, I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. I just, it's it's a big regret of mine. I'll have to live with that regret. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, you have, um, you have really pulled it back. And, and you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people learn a lot from you today. In fact, actually, Press, to be honest, uh, you know, I've got the, I get the, the little, thing at the top of the screen which shows how many people kind of um are listening in at every at any given point and um you know we've been it's been relatively new right us doing live episodes we haven't been doing it for very long so the vast majority of people still kind of listen to us through recorded episodes and and and, and whatever we usually like literally get about 10 15 people every now and again um who are watching it live the numbers were up in the 50s 60s 70s at one wow. point um wow. so this is definitely the most watch uh yeah and i know that <laughs> hey, it's not it's not the thousands but you know at the end of the day it's uh there's a lot of people relative terms yeah in relative terms mate. more people tuned into this episode to listen to you um so um you know i um appreciate you thank you so much for coming on and um and thanks a lot for being a fantastic guest and i really hope you come you come back again um i'd love to i'd love to have you on on the show again mate uh did you enjoy yourself oh it was brilliant brilliant honestly you know, life goals tick, you know, <laughs> amazing. Thanks for having me on, man. I would say, I would say, I would say good luck, but obviously I don't mean it. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, I was going to yeah. say the same thing, but you know, listen, I'm, I'm like, I'm one of these Arsenal fans that, um, you know, as far as when you rank all the various teams that you don't want to see do well, there's plenty mm. of other teams that I'd, um, I, I, I'd, uh, uh, I want to do worse than Chelsea. Um, so actually, if you ask me who I want in my top four this season, um, I'd much rather ch- I'd much rather Chelsea end up in the top four. Uh, what is what than... is your top four? Well, I, I think I said this to you right before. I said, I said I think Chelsea will finish in the top four still. So I think it's gonna. I think United will finish first. 
I think that Wait, um, United will finish. Sorry, first. sorry, 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 sorry. I'm sorry. Jesus. I hope no one cuts that, you know, and makes <laughs> it into a soundbite. That's not what I meant. I was I was literally distracted by the highlights of the Chelsea game on the screen. Um, wow. City will finish first. Um, I th- I I think that uh, thing is I I said to you I think Chelsea will finish second. That was before the game against yeah. Brighton. Um, so I'm not a hundred percent sure of that yet. I I can't see us finishing second for the reason that you basically said. I think that mm. we will get further in the Europa League and. And I think all in all with our squad size, et cetera, like I'm not sure. I don't want to say Tottenham. Um, I really don't want to say it. Um, so I actually think that I'm going to carry, it's going to sound silly. I'm going to carry on and say that Chelsea will finish second. Um, and then I'm going to go for Arsenal third. And I think Man United are going to finish fourth. I, there's something about Tottenham where I feel like the Champions League, as much as you say, and I agree that they might not end up doing very well in, I feel like Conte, Harry Kane, Son, the big players know that they've got a better chance of winning the Champions League than the Premier League. And they may not get many chances again mm. um, in terms of because of their age profile and et cetera and whatever. And I feel like they will really go for it. And I think they'll take their eye off the Premier League to some to some extent, not intentionally, just unconsciously. Um, you know, the games in and around the Champions League games, I can imagine them really not wanting to get injured and and et cetera. And and I don't think they're I don't think they're a good enough team to to play on in in sort of a second gear. They rely so much on being able to take advantage of very key moments, right? Like and mm. um they need their big players for that. So I know uh, I'm gonna go with that. Um I'm gonna go therefore with you know Tottenham finishing outside of the the, the top four. Um <sighs> Uh, the more and more like if we have another week that like the one that's just gone in terms of the week where like, you know, other teams drop points and Tottenham win, I'll probably yeah. have to revise my, my, my thing because, yeah. you know, as much as I can criticize Tottenham, the last two games they played against, you know, Bournemouth and Marseille, they've been losing positions. They've come back to one, come back to win. Four. So there is something yeah. there. Right. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Cool. All right, mate. Well, anyway, thank you very much and have a nice night. Thank you everyone for listening in. Please like, share, subscribe. If you, if you um, have got to the end of this episode, then obviously you really did enjoy it. So um, uh, thank you very, very much. Uh, Take care everyone. And we will all talk soon. Thank you, Prash. Good night, mate. No worries. Cheers, mate.